It is the sixth week of 2020. I'm Father Roderick, and you're one of my patrons. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast that I record every week, especially for you, exclusively for you, because you are one of my supporters, and I want to thank you by giving you something in return. And at the start of this uh, show, I'm going to open a package that came in the mail, and I can't wait to discover what's in it. The first thing that strikes me is the way it looks. It is a black box, and it is uh, neatly closed by um, some strips of, um, of gaffer tape, metallic gaffer tape. But what strikes me most are the stamps on it. There is a rectangular stamp, which looks awesome, and it has a bear on it. And then to the right of that is a slightly smaller stamp with a bird on it. And I love that because as a child, I used to collect stamps. And nowadays, stamps are very boring, at least here in my country, because nobody uses them anymore. So whenever I have to send someone something, I just bring it to one of those drop-off points and they will print a very boring sticker with a barcode on it and maybe the amount of money that uh, it costs to send it. And then they they will put it on the box and it, it really completely loses its charm. But these two stamps are from the beautiful country of Sweden. And this package was sent to me by Samuel Varg. And uh, Samuel is one of the newest patrons. And I'm very happy to invite or to welcome him to the community of, uh, of patrons, of supporters. But Samuel is also a very active member of my YouTube community. And whenever I stream live, he's almost always there. And it's a great uh, person to have in the chat because... Uh, uh, he's always asking questions and, and commenting and reacting to uh, the other people in the chat room. So he's a real community builder, and I appreciate that. Well, a while ago, Samuel asked me if he could send me something um, through the mail. So I told him, by all means, yes. Gave him the address and also warned him, well, you have to be a little bit careful because sometimes people send me stuff over the mail and it gets opened by the customs and... Um, and if it's new and if it is has a certain value, then sometimes you have to pay taxes and uh, processing fees, etc. What I didn't realize or forgot was, of course, that that is mostly true for packages that come from outside of the EU. Because the, in, inside the EU, there is just free, free, free transport or, or what is it? Free exchange of, of, of goods. And so... There is no problem here because this comes from Sweden. However, if you sent me something from the United States or Canada or China, then usually you have to be quite careful not to uh, uh, put a, a big amount on the box. So what I usually, if, if people want to send me something, I tell them to just open it before you send it to me. Um, so it becomes secondhand. And then you can attach another value to it. But um, it has happened in the past that people sent me stuff worth uh, a couple of hundred dollars and then the taxes and the processing fees that I had to pay were almost identical to the uh, to the worth uh, the actual value of of the of the package but of course uh, that is not the case with this one and well let's open it because of course I'm just talking but 
you're like, oh, open the thing. Let us know what's in there. Um, with all the gaffer tape that is uh, keeping this uh, package closed, I need to <laughs> figure out where to open it because it is very... Uh, gaffer tape is the magic... Uh, the magic tool for anyone who works in media, at least, especially if you work in um, in video, because uh, y- you always need it in gaffer tape whenever something gets loose or whatever. Did you know that even Star Wars um, depended and relied on gaffer tape in many scenes? Uh, if you've read the book. Uh, from written by Anthony Daniels about his role as C-3PO. Uh, he recounts many uh, stories, many anecdotes, that parts of his, of his costume fell off and they had to use gaffer tape to, to uh, put it back together and then they would film it in such a way that you couldn't see the gaffer tape. Although I wouldn't be surprised that if in, in, if in s- that in some scenes, you may be able to still see some of that gaffer tape. Anyway, so I'm just going to open it. I'm just going to use some brute force because gaffer tape is almost impossible to destroy. <laughs> I'm just going to open up the sides and I think I recognize the material. And you'll probably recognize also what it is if you hear it. Get this out. It's neatly packed, packed in plastic. And... Uh, you know what that sound is, right? It is Lego. <laughs> Very cool. It is extremely well protected. There is some uh, extra stuff around it. And this is... Oh, this is interesting. There's a booklet with it. And then in here, I see some elements... And it actually is, I think this is from Lego Friends. And it is uh, um, like, um, it's a magic, oh, now I see what it is. It's, um, the, how would you call that? The decor for a magic show. And so there are some curtains in the background that you can uh, build. There is a small platform. There's a hat. And of course, if it's about magic and you have a magician and there is a hat, there is also a rabbit. And this one has a white rabbit. <laughs> Neo from The Matrix would be proud <laughs> because there's this right white rabbit in the fur. Oh, it's, it's very cute. Little white white rabbit. And it also has um, a minifigure. And it is um, Wonder Woman. How cool is that? Very, very nice. Well, of course, I am. Oh, she even has the her golden lasso. I, I don't, I didn't have Wonder Woman yet, so that is very, very nice. Um, of course, I'm going to build this online uh, on on my Lego channel, uh, so that uh, Samuel can also watch this being put together. So very, very cool. Thank you so much, and get the papers out. Oh, there is even a message. So here we go. Um, it says, Well met, Father Roderick. I'm a longtime follower of yours and recently started to follow you, your live streams and channels even more closely. Um, as you might know, I work as a profe- professional magician. I live in Sweden, close to the city of Gothenburg. 
I'm not a Catholic, but I do visit a local Catholic church sometimes. It's a very peaceful place. Anyway, here is a small set for you to build. It is from the Friends series, and I don't think I ever saved the minifigure from it. So I replaced it with a duplicate that I had. So there, here is Wonder Woman instead. This set actually is like a small magic trick. You'll see it when you build it. Thanks for, thank you for being you, Samuel Vargla. Samuel, thank you so much. That is so kind. And now I, you, you uh, piqued my interest. <laughs> now I'm curious what the magic trick is going to be. So I'm going to take this home. And I'm going to build this as soon as I find a moment to stream live. I'm still at the office. It is a Friday. I'm not supposed to be here, but... Uh, Yesterday I went out to film, and if you've listened to the latest episode of The Walk, then you've already heard where I went and what I did there. And normally after a day like that, I'm pretty wiped out and tired, but not today. This morning I woke up, the sun was shining, skies were blue, and I was like, oh, I want to go to work. <laughs> I know I'm weird, but I just wanted to go to the office and edit some stuff. Uh, now, I planned on, on starting the editing the second episode of uh, my Australia slash New Zealand series. But uh, instead, I've, I put something together which, um, uh, which I've been wanting to do for a while. Remember that last year, during the springtime, I think it was, was it in May or something like that? Welcome whoa, to whoa, whoa. What is that? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I, I just touched the, the touchpad of my Mac... And apparently the, the, what is it, the pointer was right on top of the, the play button for the previous episode of this, uh, <laughs> of this Patreon podcast. So I was like, aha, what was that? Anyway, whew. so um, I, um, I've, I've visited a, a priest, a fellow priest, who has been a pastor in a parish for many, many years. And uh, two years ago, he discerned that he that God called him to become a hermit in France, and so he left his parish. He left everything that he had um, to live a solitary life in a small village in uh, the south of France, among the vineyards. And he prays and celebrates mass in a beautiful medieval chapel in the middle of nowhere. And I went there to to visit him. Uh, was the same week that I visited Lourdes and uh, ultimately ended up uh, creating two TV episodes following his life because in the Netherlands he was well known from TV because he, uh, we, we still have mass on TV on Sunday mornings and he was one of the priests that used to you know celebrate mass on TV. And so, of course, once you become a hermit and you leave the country, you're no longer on TV and people wonder what, what has become of this priest. And so I figured that is an interesting perspective for, for my TV show. What I did not expect was that that meeting, I stayed there for two days. He uh, arranged for a place for me to stay in the village. And, uh, and then I followed him for two days. And it, what, what I did not expect is how much of an impact that had on me uh, spiritually. Because the life that he lives is kind of the life that I dreamt of when I first received my vocation. Um, I was dreaming of a life where I would have plenty of time to pray and celebrate Mass and uh, meditate and read. And he lives that life. Maybe 
I didn't. Ne- I never discerned a vocation to become a hermit. So to do that it, as a solitary priest, but definitely the kind of rhythm of his life that I was able to, or that he shared with me when when I was there, that was what I imagined a priest life was when I first received my calling. And my life is totally not that. <laughs> it is the opposite almost. Most of my life as a priest so far, I've been uh, working really, really long days. Um, It's always been extremely busy. Very creative as well, as you know. (laughs) That's one of the reasons that you support me as a a patron, because my my life as a priest is also dedicated to uh, reaching out with new media and, uh, and trying to well, pass on what I've learned myself and, uh, and, and translate the tradition of, of the church that I'm a part of and to make it useful and, and relevant for a new generation. And that is a joy. It's something that I, I really think that God calls me to do. But it is sometimes also, and that is not God's fault. That is probably just my fault in the way in which I implement the calling that he gives me. Um, oftentimes this kind of life combining the parish life during the weekends and then this television, YouTube, podcasting life during the week um, and even running a company almost, (laughs) Uh, that life robs me, I think, of what I'm called to be in the first place and that is to be a man of prayer and to live close to God. And this is something that I don't think I'm the only one who struggles with that. I think many priests of my generation are overwhelmed by the immensity of the work that is in front of them. Uh, and, and also that is, um, that is expected of them. Uh, I, I think that most parish priests that I know live under great pressure. And they feel that uh, they are doing a job they were never prepared for. Um, I have a, a, a friend of mine, a fellow priest, who has um, a, a merged parish, um, and it's just south of where I live. And so his parish consists of two huge parishes, and those two big parishes are already a merger of a number of smaller individual parishes. And so he has 16, 17 churches, and he's the only priest. And the region is as big as a province almost. Um, And if you are in a situation like that, of course, the expectations are are sky high. Um, Because, well, people want to celebrate. They want to have masses in their churches. They need... Uh, guidance, they need sacraments, um, they want the priest to be there when they are uh, suffering or are mourning, and also maybe when they are celebrating. But what can you do? One priest for 17 churches with distances that, you know, will force you to drive for 45 minutes to an hour to go from one part of your parish to the other side. Um, I here am in a situation where we have 15 churches 
two two parishes, two big parishes, but I'm just one of the priests. We have two other priests, and I'm just an assistant priest. So my only job is to celebrate Mass in the weekend and to do that on Saturday and then two Masses on Sunday and then some indiv- individual uh, pastoral work like conf- confession or just sometimes uh, the anointment of the sick, uh, stuff like that. But then on Monday, I can focus entirely on my media work. And it would be impossible to do anything to do anything in the media if I wouldn't have that room in my life to, uh, to do that. But I cannot imagine being in a situation where I would be the only priest for such a massive uh, region and with so many churches and so many communities that need a shepherd. Um, so when I was visiting Father Theo in France and I saw the life that he lived, there was something very, very true about that life, uh, very appealing, not appealing in a, in a romantic way, uh, because I know that God doesn't call me to live in France, uh, and, and it's beautiful there, but, but it's n- nothing like that. It, it appealed to me, and it almost called me, because it reminded me of what is, what should be first in life. And it should be, in the life of a priest, it should be God. And if God is f- should be first in your life, then your time also should reflect that, the way you spend your time. And what I, what I experienced there um, was, was very healing in a certain way. I didn't feel it as a reproach or a confrontation or where I felt super guilty of like, oh my goodness, I should pray more and I should meditate more. And it was nothing like that. It felt almost like a presence of God who, who was there, who I could feel when I was in that old chapel and who told me, hey, Roderick, be with me, stay with me. And that's, that's what I'm asking you now. And I'm going to ask you that f- also in the rest of your life to, to spend time with me. And it is not going to be useful time. It's not going to be productive time. But it is going to be the we- best way for you to spend your time. And that is to spend it with me. And then all the rest follows. All the rest is secondary. And, but it was done in a very, I don't know, it's, it's a calling, but a very friendly one. And usually when, when we think about our faith, or at least when I think about my faith, uh, I, I'm, I tend to focus on my failures, my lack of, being, uh, to, of leading a prayerful life, the distraction of all the things that I'm I'm wasting my time on. Even though the the way I use words like wasting my time, well, maybe God doesn't look at it like that. Maybe if I'm, you know, reading a book or playing a video game, maybe God is like, "Good for you, take some time off." <laughs> but there is also always this little voice in my head that says, "Well, you you should be praying. You should be doing this." Should have, could have, would have. It's very, um, it's very risky to think like that, because then you add pressure. But I think that what God wants 
is to alleviate the pressure, to take it away. To He sees how much priests like me and all my fellow priests, how much we are burdened by our ministry. And Jesus in the gospel says, if you feel burdened, well, bring your burden to me and I will carry it. And I think that the invitation that I feel to spend more time with God is maybe also because God sees how much I, how much, how hard it is to be a priest nowadays and how oftentimes I impose, I self-impose all this work and, um, and I'm, I get out of balance. And lately, um, I mean, things are, are going well and it's not as crazy as last year around this time. But lately I've noticed that I just don't live a balanced life. I work too hard at these deadlines. I'm not stressed. That is a very good thing. But still, I work very long days. And one of the things that I can't do, by sheer lack of time, is, uh, is running, uh, preparing for the marathon. So I signed up for this marathon of Rotterdam. It's in two months from now. And this entire past week or week and a half, I have not been running. And whereas I should be uh, running almost on a daily basis because I was already behind on my, on my training schedule. And I'm not running because my life is out of balance. I don't find the time. Um, the same thing for healthy eating and cooking and cleaning the house. I just don't make time for it. And I deliberately say I don't make time for it because it is a matter of priorities. Um, but I, I kind of painted myself in a corner with my own ambitions and by not daring to, uh, to share with the people that I work with that I can't do everything that I thought I could be doing. So in a couple of weeks from now, um, there are three weeks worth of episodes that I have to provide them with and I have nothing. I haven't filmed anything and I honestly don't think I have the time to produce three episodes. And yet, I'm constantly, instead of facing that, instead of acknowledging it, that this is too much for me and I need to find a solution or I need to involve other people to think with me about a solution, instead of that, I'm still constantly in problem-solving mode. I'm thinking, well, maybe if I do this or maybe if I do that. But everything that I come up with is extra work. It's going to involve not just filming, but also days and days of editing. So I know that if I don't... Um, rebalance with all the consequences that that may have for what I committed myself to do, then I will still be working more than full time because I've been for the past two weeks, I've been working full time. Um, and I made at least 10 or 12 hours per day. That is way too much. That is not healthy. But if I, um, if I don't, st if I don't do anything now, then for the next two months, so the majority of Lent, I will be working too hard. And that I know that I'm going to pay a price for that. Not to mention that also the, the things that give me joy, the things that energize me, like 
you know, building my little online parish on YouTube and building Lego castles and watching Star Wars and all that stuff is going to fall by the wayside, which also means that my um, the things that I love to do most and that I also believe are going to yield the most fruit in the future, and that is not the TV show, but because that's ultimately going to disappear, but it's this community that I'm building on social media. I can't nurture that. I can't feed those sheep. <laughs> I can't tend. I can't tend to that flock because I'm doing work that I, I do very well. Um, when I was editing the Australia episode, I was really enjoying it because I was like, wow, I can't believe I can do this. And, and, and I was so happy with the end result. But it is still in the end work that someone else could do as well. So why am I doing it? Um, so it's, it's going to require quite a bit of rebalancing, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And I think the reason that I don't follow the, Father Theo's example is that I'm, I still think that I can do it myself, that I can, I can somehow fix, fix things. Whereas I think wisdom starts by letting go, by accepting that you can't do everything, be everywhere, and that you respect your own boundaries. And I should, I always tell other people to, to protect their boundaries. And I'm the only person <laughs> who doesn't do that when it comes to my own life. Um, and, and I think ultimately it's fear. It's fear of disappointing people, fear of not knowing how to fix the situation. But as long as you stay in that fear, a, a new solution won't appear. It's oftentimes when you acknowledge that you are at your limits and you can't fix something that sometimes other people will come up with solutions that you have never thought of. But it first requires me to, to well, to admit that I, 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 can't, I can't reach, I can't make, I can't, uh, what is it, realize my own targets and that I've been a little bit too optimistic about what I thought I could do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, with admitting that, well, hey, I'm stuck. So that is going to be the big leap I think I have to make next week, is, is communicating to the people at the broadcasting company, like, hey, I, I don't know how to solve this. I have three episodes and I don't think I can make them. Um, well, of course, in terms of can you do Yes, I could make those episodes, but the price would be too high. That is what I need to uh, to keep in mind. And then I really, really feel that feel called to to well to go back to the way I lived my life over the winter holiday. That was for me. That was the perfect the perfect rhythm. It had times of prayer. It, I had time to cook. I did produce quite a bit. I, I was actually producing a, a YouTube video on a daily basis. But it was fun, and it didn't feel like work. And then every every day, I I, I spent some time working out. I uh, was healthy. I was eating healthy. I was losing weight. I went to bed in time, and in the morning, I felt energized. Well, that is only a few weeks ago. So what happened? How did I let it go to the point that I've completely lost that balance, and 
So what has changed? Well, it's just trying to do too much with too little time. So this this afternoon I was um, editing the first interview with uh, Father Theo. So I've already delivered two TV episodes, but there was a lot of material left on the cutting room floor and mostly longer conversations about themes like this, about exactly this this topic. And so I felt I, I felt called to just compile an episode about that. And by listening again to Father Theo, um, it was almost as if there was this kind of this time-shifted remote uh, spiritual guidance that I received from him. And it did it did me trem- uh, tremendously good because there there could be a lot to stress out about. Um, I mean, I'm, I've only sh- only shared right now the workload, but there's much more going on. We we also have the situation in a parish where I still don't feel very happy. I still feel that I'm like butter over too many pieces of toast. Um, every every week they put me in another church, and I don't have time to talk with people anymore. I feel I feel as if you know someone uprooted me, and I don't have a home anymore as a parish priest. Um, and so that is something that's constantly in the back of my mind. It's it's, it's this this the 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 amount of work that is where it's not the amount of work because I still celebrate just a few masses every weekend. So it's not that the workload has changed, but it is this this feeling of uh, dispersion of um, of being uh, of having to to be in too many places it's it's this is no longer i think um at the measure of what is what is good for priests or what is humanly possible of course we're we're parish priests we're not missionaries um so i feel that as a parish priest and that's also part of canon law you need to have a certain stability um, and and right now I feel that that stability has been robbed of me, because we have to run around celebrating masses here and there without being able to really build up the community, so that the entire pastoral dimension is gone, and it's only what's left is just sacramental service, and I think that is profoundly wrong, and uh, and very very unhealthy in the long run for the priests and for the church in in general. And again, I don't know how to solve it, but I do know what's going on, and I do know that it's wrong. Um, so that's playing. And then we have also uh, a tricky situation right now with the Dutch Catholic Channel, where we had to let go of one of our hosts or one of the people of the team um, who had a one-year contract, and uh, we decided not to renew that contract. And uh, and that's given a lot of you know s- stress and tension, not really with us, with the uh, with the uh, nonprofit that we have, but the person who we had to let go. Uh, or actually, it's not even that we you know fired someone. It's just a contract was was up, and we didn't renew it. But uh, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of drama going on. And uh, even though it's mostly directed to the board, um, it's, still, it's still, I don't know, worrisome. And, um, and it's not doing anyone any good. So, anyway, 
that is what's going on. And uh, there's nothing to worry about too much. But I, I really, today was a day, almost felt like a retreat, even though I've been working. But I felt like I was there in France. And uh, just seeing the images, seeing a priest who lives, who really tries to listen to God on a daily basis. And he doesn't have an easy life either. But he's an example for me. Like this a reminder. This is what you're called to do. This is this, this God first, and uh, and dare to let go of things that are in the way and things that are um, making you lose your balance. All right, I think that with that, <laughs> it is time to wrap things up because uh, otherwise I could be talking for another hour. We're not going to do that. I'm going to have to go home by bike through the darkness because it's still dark in the winter time but I'm gonna fix myself some food vegetarian because it's Friday and then maybe just maybe I'll go online and build that little Lego magic set <laughs> if you wanna join me live on one of those streams then make sure you are subscribed to my three YouTube channels and if you hit the bell button you'll get notif- notified if the you know, overlords at, at uh, YouTube want to do that because it's not guaranteed. But just uh, check out Father Roderick on YouTube and then Father Roderick Builds and Father Roderick Stories. And if you subscribe to those three channels, then maybe we'll see each other live online one of these days. Hey, thanks for being a patron. Thanks for all your support and your prayers. I'm also praying for you. And we'll talk soon. Take care and God bless. <laughs>